Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Luke. Today, we're going to cover, we're going to finish chapter four. It's amazing. Um, before I read the text, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we have an email now. It is lukethepodcast at gmail.com. That's lukethepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And uh, it's uh, it's for you if, I don't even know, I don't know if anybody's out there listening or not. You can, uh, but you can email me any questions or uh, suggestions or complaints or whatever you want. Whatever you want to email me, you can email uh, the podcast and uh, heck, if the questions are good, we can read them on the air. We can do whatever you want to do with that. So there it is, Luke the podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> now our text here in Luke 4. Remember the last time he was in Nazareth and they kind of chased him out of town. So verse uh, Luke four thirty one, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had... I'm sorry. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, <clears throat> we see here, there's a lot going on here in this Capernaum, which Capernaum ends up being kind of his home base uh, when it, whenever he's in Galilee. Um, what we see with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, Simon is Peter. Jesus changes Simon's name <laughs> to Peter. And you'll see him throughout the rest of the New Testament. Sometimes he's called Simon Peter. Um, but he uh, that's Peter's mother-in-law that he heals. So we see that both the spiritual and the material worlds obey his commands here. So like later on, you'll see him command the storms to stop on the Sea of Galilee. And he commands diseases to go away. And he commands demons where he just orders them around. Um in uh, verse 39, I love when he heals her, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. It says, uh, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, 
and it left her. And immediately she she rose and began to serve them. She was she was completely healed, instantly. Uh, Luke points out that she had a high fever, and in the Greek, that's it's interesting because it's an actual medical term. There's there was two terms for fevers, and this was a particularly high fever. And um, I don't know the Greek, but reading through the scholars, it's Luke is using a medical term to describe. It's just interesting because Luke is a doctor. Um, and he uses a specific medical term to describe this high fever. But my point is she was completely healed. You know, none of this charlatan stuff, none of this halfway healed, none of this power of suggestion. She's completely healed. She bounces right up and starts, you know, serving them a meal or whatever. Um, Verse 40, uh, the news had spread about him throughout the, it must have spread about of the events of the day. And uh, it's just such a beautiful scene. Verse forty. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had who had any <clears throat> excuse me, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on on every one of them and healed them. It's just a it's a very tender scene. Um, you know, no gloves, right? No masks. God didn't have to come here and touch us. He could have just spoke and all these diseases went away, but he, he touched us. He laid hands on all these people and healed them. And it's such a beautiful scene because we don't think about it much here in the West. We just have access to medical stuff left, right, and center. Probably too much access for, for my, for my opinion, because we just rely on, uh, anyway, don't get me going on that. Um, but it's a beautiful scene. You go to a third world country today, even today, go to Haiti, go wherever. And, uh, people don't have great medical care. And um, I support a uh, ministry called Cure International where they build hospitals and do free surgeries in uh, poorer countries. And parents will walk for miles and bring their kids in for, um, you know, pediatric care, uh, for diseases, for uh, surgeries, uh, for cleft palates and crippled feet and stuff like that. So you picture Jesus, like people just carrying their kids up, Jesus just healing everyone instantly over and all day long or all night long in this case, because they come at the end of the day after the sun had gone down, verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, because it's the Sabbath, remember, and you can't be doing stuff on the Sabbath except going to synagogue. Uh, So as soon as the sun was setting, the Sabbath is over. Everybody starts piling up to Jesus and saying, hey, fix my kid, fix me. Um, In verse uh, 42, where they say... uh, and when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. We know from other passages that he, he went away to pray, but we'll talk about, that, uh, talk about that another time. And people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. They, they wanted to keep him from leaving. Don't let him go. You know, you have kind of the, the, uh, the opposite here of what, what happened in Nazareth. Nazareth, they wanted him to go away. And here they don't want him to go because they saw his beauty. They saw his power. They saw his authority. And then at the end of our, near the end there, but he said to them, I must preach the good news. Remember, good news means gospel of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, um, he came to preach. That's what he came for. Uh, and Jesus is saying, look, I'm not just God's provision for Capernaum. I'm, I'm God's provision for the whole world. I came to preach, to proclaim. This is the king of the kingdom of God. The king of the kingdom of heaven is proclaiming the beginning of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And the healings, all these other healings and stuff, it's just like gravy, you know. Um, but 
it's, they're all wonderful to do and it, and they all have their own message. You know, there's power over demons, there's power over disease, et cetera. But his priority is for us to know him. So that's why he's here to proclaim. Now, the, I think the main thing here in this passage that we, we need to consider is these demons. I mean, let's go back and look at uh, verse uh, 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. Uh, interesting phrase. Instead of a clean demon, uh, Luke's using that for a reason. And uh, we'll get back to that. And he cried out with a loud, so he screams, right? He cried out with a loud voice, ha, huh? what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus makes him, shuts him up, casts him out, you know, and then later on that night, People are bringing, bringing sick people to him, and some of them have demons. Uh, in verse 41, and demons also came out of many, crying, you are the son of God. And he wouldn't let them talk either, right? Apparently some of them were able to sneak that, that out. But he didn't, he didn't want their endorsement. He didn't want them, you know, demons proclaiming who he was. He was he, so he's telling them to shut up. Um, who are they? What are demons? Unclean spirits, right? We see these uh, repeatedly. In the story of Jesus, they're always popping up in the story of Jesus. Demons, unclean spirits, um, <clears throat> the dark, spiritual, evil creatures. But what are they? Well, there's lots of exp- lots of guesses and explanations to what they are. I mean, they're other than being these dark, you know, evil spiritual creatures. Um, they're not fallen angels. We tend to think we tend to like minim- kind of make the the spiritual realm just certain. Like it's just an- there's good angels, there's bad angels, and there's God. And that's it. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of life in the visible realm. Why wouldn't there be all sorts of different forms of life in the unvis in the invisible realm? Like God's, you know, we're not you're not limited in that way. Um, I don't think these are fallen angels. I think there's something cooked up by the fallen angels, right? The angels that have rebelled against God, uh, Satan and his friends, as it were. Uh, I can tell you that according to Second Temple Judaism, which is the background or the backdrop of of the New Testament, what they thought or what they believed, these what demons were, were the spirits of what's called dead Nephilim. Back from Genesis 6, when there was some shenanigans going on between the rebellious sons of God who uh, uh, mated with humans, human women, and they these Nephilim were born and um, that's why God ended up flooding the earth, right? There's a flood. So they were all destroyed in the flood, but their spirits, because they were not human and they, nor were they angel, they were like this hybrid, their spirits couldn't, they were just trapped here on earth. So they're, they just roamed the earth causing trouble until the, until the great day of judgment, until the, until the end of time, the end of the age. That's what, that's what the people were writing the New Testament. That's what would have, would have been in their head, okay? Jews at this time. Is that exactly what demons are? I don't know. That's a, as good an explanation as any. Uh, but we know they are real, okay? We know they are real. We know they are evil, and we know they are still active. You talk to missionaries out in the mission field in certain countries, and they there are stories. You can get story after story of uh, demon. Demon possession is not a great word. Demon, demonization or People that are uh, controlled or um, people that have demons and they're cast out, they're healed. These things are happening today. This is not something, oh, those dumb people, ancient people believed it. Nope, it's happening today they're, uh, and they're real. Um, here in the West, 
uh, we, I think, well, I'm convinced that we misdiagnose a whole lot of mental illness. There is real mental illness. Obviously, there's, and the Bible delineates this stuff too, like very physical things and very spiritual causes. But in the West, we are, uh, because of our materialistic worldview, we think every, we just throw drugs uh, and med- medicine stuff, medical stuff at everything. And because we, you know, the devil doesn't exist, demons don't exist, of course they exist. Of course they're causing trouble. You can, it doesn't take much to look around the world and see some of the evil, twisted things people do right here in America every day. There's demonic activity. I think the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. And that's what he's done to a lot of Western intellectuals. And uh, Jesus talks about Satan having a kingdom. He uses that term. Paul refers to Satan as the God of this world. Okay. Uh, Jesus refers to the devil and his angels. Uh, These things exist. They're intelligent. Notice here in our passage that they include uh, Jesus' divine nature and his human nature, right? They call him Jesus of Nazareth and they call him the Holy One of God. Uh, they have sound theology, you know, which is scary to think about. So you can have perfect theology and be completely damned. And the, James tells us later on in the New Testament, he says that even the demons believe and shudder. They know the truth and the truth doesn't set them free. It condemns them. They're scared of it. Um, we know that these things are our enemies uh, because we are the image of God. You and I were made in the image of God, and they hate you for it. Now, we are capable of great evil on our own, but humanity is constantly being harassed, provoked, egged on, and deceived by these evil creatures. This man here in our passage in, uh, in the synagogue uh, in Capernaum, he's <clears throat> in extreme spiritual bondage true. But the New Testament makes it clear that everyone who is not set free by Jesus is in some way under the power of Satan. It doesn't mean we're all, you know, everyone's demon possessed. It just means we're under the sway or we're under the power or under the influence or the dominion of Satan and his angels of dark spiritual, of spiritual darkness, bondage, dark spiritual forces. In Acts 26, Paul is making his defense before Felix and Acts, also written by Luke. Um, God tells Paul that he is sending him to the Gentiles, right? That's okay. That's the Greeks and the Romans, and that's all the rest of the world. Sending him to the Gentiles and, quote, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Um, In the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2 begins like this. And you were dead, meaning us, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Listen to this. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Okay. So these are, these are spiritual influences. These are Satan and his angels uh, ruling and reigning and doing, causing trouble and doing things in the world at large and in people's lives. Um, in, a, in that same letter that Paul writes to the church at, at Ephesus, at near the end, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, listen to this, against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, okay? These are spiritual rulers, unseen rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what we're up against. That's what we wrestle with every day. Um, these things are real. They hate us. They want to destroy us. They want to they wreck our lives. They want to wreck our families. They want to wreck everything about us. They hate everything about us. And pretending that they're not there is just a silly way to live your life. Um, this here, but back to our passage here in Luke, this is the first miracle we see of, of Jesus doing in Luke, right? So the first, first thing Luke records is this rejection at Nazareth. That's a teaching. Um, and then the first miracle we see is this demon being cast out in the synagogue in Capernaum. Um, why, is that, why does that matter? Why is that important? Well, remember, Luke has a Gentile audience. He's writing to a Gentile audience, right? He's writing to Romans and Greeks, and they knew all about demons, right? But to them, so we, th- we hear the word demon, we just, because of our Christian you know, history and all that stuff, we, just, we know they're bad. They're just bad guys. But to the Greeks and the Romans uh, of the day, they, they were just spiritual beings. They could be bad, or they could be good, or they could be you know, neutral or whatever. They're just, they're gods. They saw, they, they, were, they knew they existed. They, they weren't stupid. They knew they existed, and they saw them as uh, spiritual beings, meaning gods, maybe with a little G, right? But they were gods. Uh, and they had to be appeased with, like, constant offerings and things like that. Uh, Luke wants his Gentile audience to see how Jesus deals with these so-called gods, and it is shocking. It is shocking. You can see that it's shocking. It's shocking for the demons right here in our passage. It's shocking for the people, even to Jewish people in the synagogue here. In verse 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word with with authority and power? He commands the unclean spirits to come out. So the Jews are amazed. And so the Greeks reading this or the Gentiles reading this or hearing this, hearing about this, would that would also be shocking them just the way he does it. Um. Uh, first, they are terrified of him. The demons are clearly terrified of him. They're shocked. They're surprised he is there. They recognize him, right? Do you see that? They recognize him. The, the people in Nazareth, um, and as we will see, the theologians of the day that Jesus is going to encounter throughout his story, they may not have recognized Jesus, but hell sure does. Satan does. We saw Satan earlier in our story. Um beings with far more intelligence and knowledge than us recognize Jesus immediately and they are dismayed. And we will see more as we go along. What, what, why so much demonic activity surrounding Jesus as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, etc.? Why, why is there so much? It, because his very presence makes them squirm. Um, they cannot stand the light of his being. They are like roaches. They're like cockroaches. When I was a kid, I was growing up in an apartment complex in Pennsylvania, and um, it was, you know, kind of a lower end at the time. Anyway, low end. We didn't have a lot of money, uh, but it had roaches. All the apartment, they had roaches, and we just we were just used to it. I just thought everybody had roaches, and um, you you come out in the middle of the night or whatever, you turn on a kitchen light and they just scatter. So they're out there in the dark. They're happy in the dark. You turn on the light and they scatter all over the place. I know I'm grossing you out, right? Sorry. 
Well, I live in an apartment with roaches. What, what do you want me to say? Um, and they're afraid of the light. They scatter. These creatures, these things, as powerful and intelligent as they are, they're like roaches. You know, they just they want to be in the dark. They want to drag you into the dark. And the presence of Jesus flushes them out. Like think about a brush fire and or and rats scattering from the fire, right? Or when the when it rains really heavily, and um, or floods. What do you see on the sidewalk? All the worms come out of the ground and they're laying on the sidewalk trying not to drown. Um, that's what this is like, right? These things, as soon as Jesus walks in the room, they're freaking out. Um, they, they scatter and they scream. Notice, they are surprised and afraid he is there to destroy them. Isn't that interesting? Um, he, um, Ha, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They're terrified of him. Have you come to destroy us? It's because they know at the end of the age, right? And you can read about this later in scripture. At the end of the age, uh, they are going to be destroyed. But they, they don't, they don't, they're like, what, what the heck is happening? Are you here already? Um, Jesus talks about the fire that is prepared for the devil. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never prepared for you or me. The reason it was created originally, the reason it was created was for the devil and his angels prepared for them, the lake of fire. And they're like, is it that time already? What are you doing here? That's, that's what they're freaking out over. Um, The other thing is, or the shocking thing to the people in Capernaum and also to Luke's Gentile audience is the way he does it. He just orders them out, right? This is radically different from any exorcism type event that they may have ever heard of or seen or experienced or there's no ceremony, right? There's no incantation. There's no gibberish. There's no Harry Potter magic stuff. Uh, There's no elaborate mumbo jumbo He's, he just says, shut up and get out, right? And it, the word, what he does here when he silences them is, is muzzle. He actually muzzles them. That's the, the idea of the Greek here. He, he muzzles them. So you just picture a loud, uh, like, a, like this barking, uh, yapping, uh, large dog uh, coming, running up to, a, to somebody, and like a large, powerful man. And, he, and the dog thinks he's got him, but then the man just grabs the dog's snout and says, shut up and get out and throws him to the ground. That's the, that's the power of Jesus here. His, that's his authority. Uh, and it is shocking to the people there. It would be shocking to the demons. It's shocking to uh, Luke's Gentile audience. Um, shut up and get out. That's, that's how Jesus does things. He just, that's what he says to the powers. He strides forth the wage war against the powers of darkness, and he says, shut up and get out. Um, remember his words in Nazareth uh, the last time where he, he's quoting Isaiah, and he's, he's preaching. He says, I'm here to, to provide. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? Uh, to, pro- to proclaim release to the captives, sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed. That's what he's doing here. John says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And that's, what, that's why Luke is starting right off with this, right? He's going to war against the darkness. Um. I like uh, verse 37 and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Again, we don't pick this up so much in, uh, 
in, in English. Um, but the word being used here for reports or rumor, another translation would have a rumor, is echo. It's where we get the word echo. Okay. And in Greek, it's echo or something like that. But uh, it's where our word echo comes from. So I imagine his words and his actions here in the synagogue in Capernaum. Here, there, there's echoing in the halls of hell, in the kingdom of darkness. And they, it causes them to tremble. Uh, the word is also used in the Greek of the roar of the waves on the shore. So it's like they can hear their doom approaching just because Jesus is here now. The kingdom of God is at hand. And you don't have to obey the forces of darkness. You don't have to be oppressed by them. You don't have to listen to them. Jesus is the thing that frightens the things that frighten us. Got that? Jesus is the thing that frightens the things that frighten us. He's the one who gives the monsters nightmares. Jesus is the one who scares the hell out of hell. Thanks for listening.